2: To 100 words or less with Ray Harkins. Hello, people. Welcome to 2023 and more podcasts for you. Thank you so much for downloading the last episode, which was the best of 2022 with my good friends Joey Cahill and Jeremy Bolm. This th- You love lists. Everybody loves lists. <laughs> and I really, it makes me, it warms my soul to see the uh, positive response from people, just like simply sharing music, and I, I love to hear that. So thank you very much. That's how we ended the year, and how we begin the year is a great guest. This is an all-timer for me, just because he plays in a band that uh, is, looms large within my musical history, and uh, you've heard me opine and speak about them in the past. This is Todd Kowalski from Propagandi. He also played in an incredible band called I Spy. Revenge of the Little Shits is probably one of the best named album titles I've ever heard. But um, yeah, Todd, great bassist, great human being, just allowed me to uh, punish him on Instagram to be like, "Hey, do you want to come on the show?" Like I, you know, I've I've had your bandmates uh, Chris Chris Hannah, and then uh, one of your ex old bandmates John K. Sampson, which I am actually very proud to say that I think. I'm one of the only podcasts he's ever done, (laughs) and I I wear that as a badge of pride. Anyways, but uh, Todd has done podcasts before, and he's a great hang and a great chat because uh, he's an interesting person, does a lot of art. If you follow him on Instagram, and I will include a link to his Instagram in the show notes, you're able to see a lot of the uh, cool visual art and medium that he uh, traffics in besides being a shredding bass player. So... Todd and go deep. We talk about prairie life and a bunch of other things, but I'm very excited to bring that chat to you. Some some news and notes. I have actually launched an auxiliary podcast to this one because Lord knows we need more podcasts, especially from nerds like me, but uh, I wanted to do something a little bit uh, off the beaten path in regards to, you know, I reserve interviews for these besides the best of 2022 and then some other divergent ideas that I may have but I wanted to contain more less conventional episodes on a separate feed so I have finally got off my butt and launched it it is a Spotify exclusive because I play full songs in these episodes which like legally you know like I I want to uh, live by the letter of the law so technically I wouldn't be allowed to do that in these episodes but I can do that and if it's on Spotify it's a whole thing if you really care about it, you can email me, 100 words podcast at gmail.com, and I can explain to you <laughs> the legality and intricacies of that. But anyways, I will include a link to this auxiliary podcast. It's called More on That. You can find it on Spotify. It's going to take a you know few days to matriculate and spread to the world to where the search algorithms. But if you want a very easy link to click, I will include that in the show notes here and moving forward. I'm probably going to do, I don't know, one episode a month, something. Like that. I'm going to do some label retrospectives, just again, some other ideas in which I can play music and just, you know, be able to share more interesting or at least what I define interesting (laughs) things to you, the listener. But I got that. Like I said, you can always email the show 100WordsPodcast at gmail.com. You can also, it's not going to take you any effort besides maybe 30 to 40 seconds of your time to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or A star review rating on Spotify that helps the show get some legitimacy and helps the algorithm, all those other things. I hope your holiday was good. Mine was great. was able to disconnect, unplug, whatever, be able to, you know, read some books, watch some programs, play some board games, put together some puzzles, no traveling, was able to lock it down and just enjoy the time. So hopefully your holiday was great. And then, you know, whatever New Year's resolutions or whatever people do in the new year, I hope that's like killing it for you or something. I don't know. I, I don't really care about uh, New Year's. <laughs> as a holiday or as a, uh, idea to, you know, change yourself and, you know, reform and et cetera, et cetera. But anyways, if you believe in that awesome, I'm just not really one for that, but let's dive into my discussion with Todd Kowalski from Propaganda and I spy. Oh my gosh. I'm so I'm, I'm, I've almost collected the whole band. I need to get Sue Lynn and yeah, some other people. Uh, but yes, Todd is on the show and here we go. You know, I first ran across you via I Spy with the split that you did, obviously, with the band that you play in currently. And I I was really uh, being from Southern California, which is uh, where I reside, I I was taken by the fact that, you know, another band in the same area had, you know, a a similar idea and approach to obviously what Propagandi was doing. And honestly, at that time, like in the, you know mid 90s when you were finding out about multiple bands from the same area it was like kind of finding a a secret where i was like oh my gosh like (laughs) here's this other band that exists in the area did it it, it, around that time like you know as i spy was just you know getting out there and playing shows and stuff like that uh did it feel vibrant to you like your local scene the fact that you know there was a, a lot of stuff going on or was it you know kind of just you guys existing there alongside of a few other people
0: uh, I think it was, yeah, I, re- I think it was felt vibrant. Like there's Red Fisher, Propagandy, I Spy, uh, uh, well, I was brand new to Winnipeg. I'm from Regina actually, which is eight hours away. Right. Everything kind of seemed fresh and new. There was this band, host of Pancakes I liked and yeah, just kind of a bunch of bands in Winnipeg that, uh, just seemed more open-minded in that than what I grew up with in Regina, I suppose. Like it just seemed fresh and interesting to me.
2: Sure. Sure. And just the, the fact that you were able to experience a, you know, scene in general, I'm sure from, rather than what your experience was in Regina.
0: Yeah, for sure. And like, uh, like Regina is pretty small and like isolated from almost everything in the world, especially when there was uh, no, no, internet at the time so i've seen that uh winnipeg was good for shows uh and i remember on an mdc record or something they thanked winnipeg in particular so i was kind of excited to get there and see what was up sure
2: (laughs) i do like those little breadcrumbs that get You know, whether it's a friend's band that plays a show in some random town and is like, oh, man, you got to hit Bloomington, Indiana. And you're just like, so it's like little crumbs that you hold on to. It's like, oh, yeah, can't wait to get to this, you know, random town in the, you know, North America or whatever.
0: Yeah, exactly. I remember actually Propaganda getting home from their first tour talking about, you know, you got to play in (laughs) like. Sheboygan, Wisconsin was awesome.
2: <laughs> <laughs> totally, and I, I do like the fact that, it, especially when it takes. I mean, to your point, where you know Regina, Winnipeg, like those are places that take effort to get to. You, you, yeah. know, you it's not like you just pass through it on your way to Chicago or whatever. You have to specifically go there. So, I yeah. think that the bands that did come through and play shows in your general area you were more enamored to them because you're like, you came here. Like that took a lot of effort to get here.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like I, when I think of, uh, you know, I could think of like Sacrifice and Razor versus Slayer and Exodus and all these bands that never made it to Regina. Like I'm just, uh, I just have so much more connection to Sacrifice and Razor. Like even now, you know, the other bands are, Oh, there's some bands from, Like I like them a lot, and I love them at at the time. But like you know, they're just other California bands, whatever. But Razor and Sacrifice are like, yeah, they made it to reach China,
2: right? Right. And to that point, too, just the idea that you can also feel a little bit of ownership, and honestly, how you guys have done it, where you've been able to shine a spotlight on those bands. That I mean, I as a more punk and hardcore kid, like metal, I was always aware of and paid attention to it but never to the point where i would ever find out about razor sacrifice if it wasn't right. for you guys you know
0: yeah for sure and um, you know of course we're into the punk bands too but like even a lot of canadian punk bands didn't make it to regina or saskatoon so yeah you know, the fans i loved Guild parade i don't think they made it to winnipeg I, they never made it as far as regina as far as i know and stuff like that but That's why uh, even SNFU and No Means No, all the kind of Western Canadian bands always stay strong for me. I actually saw them and they were amazing. And then, like, when I actually ended up seeing, like, a lot of the American bands, I was like, they're just not as good. Like, they're ten times more as popular, but it's like, like, not in every case, but in some cases, it's just like, yeah, this band's not as good. Like I'd see Beyond Possession from Calgary, it just fucking destroyed me. And then you see like another band or so, you know, and that's super popular. And it's just like, ah, oh, Beyond Possession, kick their ass.
2: Right. <laughs> it's like they just wanted that more, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just, I, I think it's just, or it just spoke to me more maybe because we're all prairie people or so. I don't know. you
2: know. Sure, maybe sure.
0: It could just be me. I don't know.
2: Well, and speaking of uh, prairie people, just that idea that, uh, you know, I know, like you mentioned, you were born and raised in Regina. And I think most people, especially in uh, America and the States, they think of the middle of Canada as just like an absolute mystery. It's just like, okay. maybe it's ice, maybe it's people hanging out with, you know, moose. It's just like, it, it's still, you know, even now that we clearly have the internet and many ways to t- travel to these places, um, would you describe your, uh, I guess you're, you know, being raised in Regina to be that kind of like really rural, you know, snow bound experience, or is that just like a complete oversimplification?
0: Uh, it's a, well, there's summer, uh, Regina and Saskatchewan, or are, that area is extremely uh, harsh in every way because the summers are hot. There's no Hills. There's hardly any lakes, uh, there is lakes, but you know, like not around the city. And then, yeah, the summer's scorching. With, like in the eighties, it was just infested with uh, grasshoppers. So, like, I never really realized how harsh Regina is until I got to Winnipeg, and it's it's cold. Like it gets forty something below, but nothing ever quite feels as as desolate as uh, like complete flat frozen prairie with like. No tall buildings, you know? Yeah.
2: yeah. (laughs) And I I think that's really um, respective of people's, you know, points of view about the idea of those rural communities or even, you know, communities that are populated but they're spread across so much uh, land that's where it's like oh yeah just the the central hubs whether it's you know a record store or a video rental store just like those small little outposts of culture that people yeah. just tend to gravitate towards
0: yeah and i was uh, actually lucky in regina that this guy Derek petrovich the world's biggest headbanger who death actually gave them gave him their banner because he was their biggest fan uh he yeah because he was such a headbanger a young guy working at a record store he'd order all the metal mags from like like crang and metal forces metal hammer uh, you know if it wasn't for him i don't think any of us would have heard of all the bands like by the time i got to winnipeg even though i'm three years younger than chris and jord i still listen to all the same bands because because of Derek petrovich <laughs>
2: i love i love it what it is you can cite either specific people or specific you know things that you were exposed to that open up pandora's box for you to, to be like oh yes it's their fault that i got into the- <laughs> these bands
0: yeah exactly yeah and uh like i could always count on him no matter what band would come he'd be the first guy up there headbanging you know just he didn't he didn't care he yeah him. like i wasn't friends with him but I am now. I've like we're just from different parts of the city, you know. And <laughs> reach like it didn't ha- I didn't have a car, bus bus is impossible to use. So yeah, I just never hung around with them in my life, but now I do actually. I see you know, saw him in Calgary last
2: month. That's so that's very cool that you could full circle it and be like, I don't know if you know how influential you were to me <laughs> as a young yeah, headbanger. Yeah, yeah uh what was your family structure like growing up like brothers and sisters in the house what did your uh, you know mom and dad do for a living that sort of stuff
0: uh, my dad was an x-ray technician and my mom sometimes taught like uh, kids skating and stuff and my brother yeah and I have a brother
2: got it. And were you, uh, this is another, you know, stereotype that happens with uh, most people in Canada. I presume the idea was like, okay, clearly Todd is going to play hockey at some point. Like that is the sport you have to play. Um, was that a, were you a willing participant or was that something that you had to get pushed into?
0: I didn't play hockey at all. I like no interest. I played like just hockey in the alley, but like, again, and my brother, he's three years older than me too. So I, had no chance of winning. So I just slash them and try to start fights and whatever. <laughs> I, sure. just, I had no interest in the game at all. Just, I just like to fight and hit him with my stick and get beaten up and just get left in the snowbank.
2: Right. <laughs> yeah. You're like, you're like, yeah. I like, I like the violence of it. I do not like anything about the actual sport. <laughs>
0: yeah. And, yeah. And he's not a violent guy. Just like literally driving him insane. So, uh, <laughs> sure,
2: sure. Uh, and
0: then, Yeah, but I actually, my mom got me into speed skating and all that stuff, which is, you know, going around and around on the track, but I just wasn't into it, so I quit that by the time I was, like, eight, I
2: think. Okay. And what kind of, just because, I mean, I only know you from, uh, you know, watching your band perform uh, many times, There, you you seem generically speaking a pretty you know sort of happy-go-lucky person um but uh you know were you has that kind of always been who you were or is that just you know obviously you're excited to play shows so that's kind of the you know the the role you inhibit uh
0: i would say that i am half happy-go-lucky half morose and sad inside like kind of the mix you know sure Uh, so i'd say like sort of that but like The shows, I just try to bring out the best of myself no matter how I'm feeling, you know. Like you just gotta try to feel like a winner, even in no matter how you feel. So, right, <laughs> just try to inspire other people, I suppose.
2: Sure, I, I, I like that idea like, feel, feel like a winner, even though I may feel like a loser inside. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, did you, as you were going through, um, you know, elementary school and, and high school and everything like that, uh, were you? you know, were you into school? Did you have kind of a vision of the way that your life wanted to go as far as a career was concerned?
0: Uh, I had no interest in anything except for, I'd say, drawing and music. Other than that, like, uh, yeah, nothing. I didn't nothing. Like didn't like school. Well, I play out sports with my brother because he wanted me so bad. So I played football with him and his friends. But again, they're older, so I just get totally creamed all the time, like, getting just injuries like crazy
1: right <laughs> uh,
0: yeah so I'd play with that but I don't like I kind of liked it like I wouldn't call myself a jock for sure but like I I played kind of sports like hockey or football I would say every day even though I wasn't too into it but what I was into was yeah like drawing and music I just sit there and do that that's what like and I, and I like going down downtown you know like just going to the record store and the comic store. I guess that's the same thing, right?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I like the consistency of uh, your interests has been always like, yes, I like uh, art and drawing, and I like music, and that's been the way since I was eight years old or whatever. (laughs)
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I suppose I like walking, too. I walk to and from school, no matter how far it was all the time, no matter what the weather, so I still walk all the time.
2: Sure, that's good. (laughs) I like I like that. Even in a um, you know city that is uh, generally speaking pretty spread apart, you're just like, yeah, I will just walk as many places as I can. It's totally fine.
0: Yeah, for sure. I I walked like in high school in sweatpants in minus forty, like, and came home for lunch every day, going like I'd have to go down this long highway. Everything just like a few miles at least.
2: Happy New Year. I am always excited to partner with my good friends at Rockabilia.com. They have a promo code that you can use for 10% off your entire order. It is 100 words or less. Use that promo code and be able to buy all the officially licensed band merch that your heart desires. I don't care if you're into Def Leppard, Guns N' Roses, Bring Me the Horizon, Perfect Circle, Tool, whatever it is. It's basically like your superstore in regards to... Officially licensed merch for bands of all shapes and sizes. Trust me, they have half a million items in stock. You can buy stuff for your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your uncle, your aunt, everybody in between. And you can also have fun and purchase some stuff for yourself. Independently owned and operated, ships directly from the Midwest. I love what they do and I think you will too. So go to rockabilia.com, use the promo code 100 words or less, 10% off your entire order. That's basically like me giving you a free shirt if you buy like hundred dollars worth of stuff. <laughs> you like how I how I phrase that? Like it's it's a free shirt. You just need to spend hundred dollars. <laughs> Anyways, thank you, Rockabilly, for your continued support. I love you. I love what you guys do. As you started to have the interest of music come into your life via you know your headbanger friend, and um, you probably were you. Uh, you know getting influence from anywhere else in regards to i mean i know much music plays a part in many people's lives in canada uh was that also another jumping off point for you where were you getting all of these bands that you were uh, exposed to
0: yeah i watched uh yeah power hour on much music totally yeah, that's where like you could see Razor, see sacrifice videos see uh whatever anything boy vod venom all that stuff, yeah. I Celtic Frost, Circle of the Tyrants. And I'd tape them all the time. No matter how many times I had them on tape, I'd tape it again if I had to.
2: Right, right. Yeah, it's like even if I have it, you never know when you're going to need another copy.
0: Yeah, I, there was one night I uh, – my brother literally beat me out of the side of his car, out at the side door. I fell into the snow, and he drove off. I was all sad walked all the way home in the snow but then when i got home my uh my vcr had taped the new uh creator toxic trace video and i was fucking back on cloud nine
2: (laughs) yeah you're like well i thought tonight wasn't going to be good but i think we're okay now So once you started to, you know, really embrace music and like you said, you started to, you know, get into punk and hardcore stuff while you were also, you know, really, uh, entrenched and engrossed with the metal side of things. Uh, I, I know that can be, um, kind of a, a difficult thing for people to sort of cross over to because there was this really distinct line between like, yeah, you're either a, you know, a punker or a metalhead, like, at, especially at that, during that time, uh, did you find it, I guess, easy for you to kind of bounce back and forth between the two because there wasn't a lot of outside influence for you kind of deciding a path or was it not even a concern of yours?
0: Uh, Well, the first metal band or the first punk bands that I heard, well, like the first ones were like Bow Wow Wow and the Ramones and Sex Pistols and stuff, but I literally had uh, zero interest in those bands, like less than zero, didn't care but then i uh when i heard the accused and Daglo abortions and dead kennedys like the stuff that was more uh more metal it just seemed like super raw metal especially the accused and uh DeGlo. like they just kind of blew my mind i was like okay this shit's awesome and then i then i started getting into like uh, coc animosity which is the most at the time seemed like the craziest record of all time Right, and, uh, like extreme noise terror, like it was just it was just an extension of metal to me. Like I, I almost think nowadays, like I was mistaken on what I thought punk was in a way. Like, like none of the bands that people actually think are like straight up punk bands, I, I really wasn't interested in, in them. I suppose. And right. so, I mean, but, it, but there was some like melodic bands, and part of it is just because they came to Regina, like the Doughboys, they're from Montreal. Like, they are one of my absolute favorite bands. And I, I think they changed uh, how Chris and me probably played music. For sure, me, 100%. Uh, yeah, so it was like like the early Doughboys when I saw them. Like, I remember sitting there, I was a kid, uh, like, asking the bass player and shit, are you guys as fast as DRI? And he's like, yeah, yeah, we are, we are but like, <laughs> like just to kind of humor me or whatever. Sure. But when they started playing, they're like not fast at all. They're just kind of this kind of melodic band, not, not pop punk the way it sounds today, but just a more, uh, uh, just people playing kind of music with a lot of heart. And yeah, it really, really spoke to me. And it was the kind of the first band that wasn't metal or super heavy, that I I, I was like, oh, maybe there is something that's not metal that I actually like in this universe.
2: (laughs) Right. (laughs) I also like that uh, articulation of what you were going through because I I think there's something that's so special about getting into music devoid of context where you you don't have anybody telling you this is part of this scene and like, this is a, you know, a true metal band and this is like, Oh, this is grind chorus It's just like, well, I don't know. I'm just, you know, a, a kid, I'm a teenager and yeah. you not, you not being able to contextualize it makes it easier for you to hopefully listen to, you know, more styles of music, but then ultimately still, you know, end up like, Oh yeah, I'm a, I'm, you know, I'm a punker with Liberty spikes or like, you know, yeah, I'm a metalhead with long hair or whatever.
0: Yeah, well, I went to my first uh, punk shows with a mullet and a Metallica crash course and brain surgery shirt, and actually had these punks like kicking me and stuff, calling me a poser, and I was just like, "Fuck you!" Right?
2: (laughs) You're like, way older than me, but I
0: I remember thinking, "You're a fucking poser."
2: Right. And uh, it it did seem to me, too, just like in hearing, uh, you know, other people speak about the experiences of, uh, you know, Winnipeg, where there did seem, you know, violence at the shows. And I know that during that time period, it was kind of emblematic of a lot of, you know, punk and metal shows in the 80s and stuff like that. Did you uh, did you experience that as well, where it was like, oh, yeah, there's always going to be a fight at the show, kind of regardless of who's playing, Mm -hmm. as long as it's aggressive? No,
0: I would say there wasn't too many fights, but like I had, I guess, two shows. Uh, one was, uh, yeah, Gangrene and the Goo Goo Dolls on their first tour ever. Yeah, that's where I was getting kicked. And then, yeah, there was a DRI show where I was
2: getting beat
0: up, but uh right. kind of my own fault. So.
2: <laughs> right? Yeah. You're like, I, I see why I got punched. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> And so when you were getting more, you know, watching shows and being very immersed within that uh, music scene, did, uh, were your parents like, what the heck is Todd getting into? Like, why is he dressed up like this? Were they, you know, concerned about you or did they just let you do your thing because they saw that you cared about it?
0: Uh, well, my dad didn't give a shit at all. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, my mom, just kind of would make fun of me kind of a little bit, but not okay. really. Like, I think, I think she was so worried about me becoming a, like an alcoholic or something of the such that I think she was like, if I take this or like, I can't take this away from them, sort of. Like, I think she saw that, like, uh, that that was my life. Like, I remember her, the only time she was concerned is I was drawing all the satanic shit, watching, uh, or listening to venom, uh, at war with Satan and I was so into it. It's like a 15 minute satanic epic. And I remember her just going, Oh, I should pay more attention to what you're listening to. And I was like, ah, go away, whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was her only, uh, our only, uh, whatever. Yeah. I think she's probably, I don't know. Like I, like some of the things I was listening to, like I, it's almost crazy. Like that it went under her radar, you know, sort of.
2: Right. And I, I'm guessing, because I know that uh, a lot of people have the experience of, you know, their parents start to see some, um, you know, le- less than savory influences coming into their child's life, especially when you're talking about, you know, extreme metal and the, just the, you know, religious component can kind of come full circle where it's like, oh, we might not even be a household. that's like going to church, but, you know, we sure as hell are not going to have, you know, a pentagram drawn on any of these records or
0: anything. Yeah, <laughs> so- kind of a... Uh- I almost felt like my mom had a rebellious side in her against religion and stuff herself. So seeing me like that, I almost felt like she's just like, uh, just like, ah, that's fine. Fuck it. You know? Right.
2: <laughs> she's like, I noticed a little bit of me in him. That's great.
0: And I think like, she knows none of us believe it, you know? So it's just to her just, uh, just a little bit of a re- rebellious imagery, but I think she would have been concerned if she knew what, uh, like what was in Daglo lyrics. And, <laughs> and I remember one time there's a video of, you can actually see it on YouTube. If you type in Unlawful Assembly and Regina, it's like, you can see me stage diving in this red hoodie, like a bunch of times. And I remember it came on TV on the public access station. And she's just like, <laughs> Like no parent at that time had seen stage diving and people going crazy like that. She's just like, "What? I shouldn't let you do this. Like, oh, it's dangerous. You know what I mean? Like, watch, like, watching this your kid stage." jumping off the stage at a death metal show, you know, with, <laughs> right. um, she just kind of, they're almost like she'd mention it and then just kind of move on, you know, just keep an eye on it. Probably from a distance.
2: Right. Yeah. It's like, if it gets any worse then you know, I'll intervene, but it, it seems like he's, you know, coming home with all of his limbs. So I think that's okay.
0: Yeah. And so excited, you know,
2: like that's true. I-
0: Like that was the best day of my life.
2: The best night of my life. Right. Yeah. Literally they were
0: like seeing us in a few, no means no sacrifice razor. Like there's literally the best days of my life beyond possession. So like I wasn't lying.
2: Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's just yeah. over breakfast the next morning. You're just like, yeah, like I I think I've peaked. Like there's, there's no way that a a show could get any better. Your parents are like, wow, that's great. Good.
0: (laughs) Partially true. Yeah. I, I can see like, I don't know if anything's ever captured. Well, I'm sure it has, but for me, like, it's very hard to capture that, uh, the essence of like SNFU in their prime, like lots of people have tried.
2: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a very, it's difficult to have perspective cause you can't help, but put the rose colored glasses on and nostalgia washes over you and all of that, all those feelings. But then, you know, when you're getting down to it, it's just like, yeah, but that was literally the first time that I saw SNFU. So like, <laughs> I don't know if I could duplicate that ever.
0: Yeah, and they were st- like, they were still amazing. Like, like a year before like Chai Pig died, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's like he's like he's still this amazing on his deathbed. Imagine him when he was like twenty one and healthy, you know. <laughs>
2: Hey there, I'm excited to partner up with Mutant League Records, who is a great record label based out of the greater Chicago, Illinois area. They release some high quality punk, hardcore adjacent. Like, you know, if you're thinking you like the stuff fast and aggressive, that is exactly what they do. With a lot of melody, that is also what they do. But I want to talk specifically about a band they work with called With the Punches. They haven't released any new music since 2015, and this EP is a banger. Let me just play one of their songs called Mirage right now and you'll get a vibe of it and then I'll let you know what to do in order to consume more. Maybe so Maybe more there you have it. It really gives me some like classic 2010 vibes of, you know, when pop punk was really just Reinventing, reinvigorating itself—that's uh, that's what this band gives me a vibe for. So, I'll include a link in the show notes. You can stream this entire EP that came out in Mutant League Records, and uh, yeah, just enjoy with the punches because they're putting out new music, and that's a great thing. So, visit MutantLeagueRecords.com. You'll be able to find all of the cool products they have there, and you'll be able to consume even more bands like With the Punches than you could possibly shake a stick at. But anyways, thank you very much, Mutant League Records. And go check out With the Punches. Once you started to see bands and, you know, watch them play right in front of you, did you immediately get taken by the idea of playing in a band? Were you already playing, you know, bass as you started to go to shows? Or where did that drop into your uh, lap?
0: Yeah, I was taken like way before
2: that. Like Okay.
0: I was taken like 100% when I heard Kiss, like the first time. I was just like, there's nothing like this nothing i I searched everywhere in the world for something that exciting and i i couldn't and my friend across the alley him and his dad were amazing guitar players and still are like ten thousand times better than i'll ever be and like like just the fact that they were doing it i thought maybe i can too and like i tried and i sucked shit but i just stayed at it like i i couldn't quit no matter how bad i was like like I'm literally, literally not a, like a natural musician. I just like, just kind of worked hard at it, you know? So right. I was kind of those two guys make like, like I knew, I knew like I had no other thought in my head besides I got to be in a band and draw like never, ever, I never wanted to be anything else.
2: Right. But- <laughs> no plan, no plan B. Just one of, one of these artistic pursuits will uh, carry me through my life, whether, whatever that means.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, There's no other thing that I ever wanted to be, which is maybe maybe land, but that's just the way it is.
2: No, that's That's, that's how you were built. Uh, Like you said, making the move to Winnipeg, and I Spy collectively wanted to do that, correct? Like all of you guys were in Regina, and then you decided to move to Winnipeg?
0: I moved to Winnipeg on my own. Okay. uh, Yeah, and then I went back. I didn't even know those guys. I moved to Winnipeg. I'd seen their band. They were doing a cover of "Aces High" by Iron Maiden. Okay. When I was going to go back for the summer to Regina, I was asked my friend Marlon. I was like, "Do you know those guys?" And uh, he did. And I was like, "Ask them if they want to like be in a band with me." And then I went and jammed with them. And I was just like, the guy had I had a song ready." I was just like, "Here, you guys like this song?" And I like literally showed it to them in whatever a few minutes. Rary the guitar player. They're both good guitar players, great drummer, and it's just uh like within seconds we were playing the song and I was just like I think we all felt like this is this rules, you know? And I jumped off uh the drummer's mum's uh couch, <laughs> I hit my head on the roof, knocked myself unconscious. <laughs> it <was just> like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, from then, yeah, then those guys followed me to Winnipeg eventually.
2: That's oh, that that's cool. That's, I, I really like that. I just like the idea. Hey, do you think maybe like you'd want to start a band with me? <laughs> just like that, that audacity to, you know, ask someone where it's like, oh, hey, hey well, you want to do this? And it's like, you know, I, I'm not, maybe I'm not that good, but like still, it'll be fun.
0: Yeah, I was kind of, uh, yeah, it was interesting how how they just uh I think they like they had a different guy who was writing their songs and singing and I think he just happened to have quit like right when I asked them so they were like, yeah, we need another guy and then I got there and for some reason we all just like 100% clicked like like I like we just felt like this is fucking fun as fuck.
2: Right. Yeah, it's like everybody everybody collectively was like, "Oh yeah, this is the right fit. Like this is perfect."
0: yeah yeah and they all listen obviously the same bands because they're from regina so whatever bands came through regina got the listeners so we all had listened to the same bands
2: sure absolutely yeah you were all experiencing the same thing except you didn't know each other before that so cool yeah yeah Yeah. like they
0: actually live on the other side of the city from me so i i didn't know them at all i didn't recognize them from shows except for the one show i saw them play their maiden cover
2: right (laughs) that's so cool um and I know, like, when you uh, when you joined Propagandi and you know, because that was like ninety seven ish or ninety eight ish or something like that.
0: No, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, ninety six
2: actually. Ninety six. Okay, so you know, I mean, you like clearly Propagandi had already made you know an impact in your area and all already started to you know be able to tour and, like you said, you know, have those experiences outside of uh, your hometown uh, or out- outside of Winnipeg. The, was it um i know they were your friends and you were excited to you know join but was it uh i guess intimidating for you to kind of like step on you know a more quote-unquote professional band and i'm using air quotes in there just because you know i'm sure at the time no one would have defined themselves as professional but uh was it i guess were you nervous at all
0: i would say like uh like I'd already like I spy and propaganda had already done a 10 inch record together. We'd already toured together twice. I'd already, like I sang a couple songs on stage with them in Brandon. Like we were such, I lived with Chris, like we were such so close in a way that it uh, didn't. Uh, I wouldn't say I felt like I was in them, but I was like, uh, you know what I mean? Like all the songs on last talk, I I was in the same house while Chris wrote them, you know, like go up, you know, I could hear him playing his riffs all day, go up, listen to his four track. So I just kind of already felt like, I wouldn't say it was like this big jump where it was like, Oh, suddenly I'm in this band, you know, I was like, just do you want to learn these songs? Okay. And then, yeah, we just started playing and it just kept going.
2: <laughs> right. It's like I was already existing in and around the band. It just felt like I already knew all of the comings and goings. So yeah, now it just makes sense that I, I joined the band if given an opportunity.
0: Yeah, I felt, and it did feel like, uh kind of like probably broader doors are opening for myself, especially because the guys in I Spy always seem to have completely lost interest a little bit, you know, so right. two guys quit and, you know. Uh, yeah, and then so it's just kind of me and the drummer and my friend Sean, who is an awesome guy. But I and great at bass. I just I just felt like it was like kind of like oh this is kind of dying a little bit, uh, uh just because of interest, you know. And then right, yeah. I thought when Chris asked me to play bass, like, and I, I was supposed to just be like a fill in just for a little bit, but I just kept going and going.
2: Sure, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, you're not the new guy anymore
0: yeah
2: yeah <laughs> did uh so how did you take i mean like you said i know that you uh went out with uh, i spy before and how did you take to more intense touring you know like when you were out for prolonged periods of time and you know doing more uh extended runs did you like it was it something that you had to grow accustomed to
0: uh well actually the it was actually less i spy I played more sh- i played longer shows with i spy than with propaganda so it was uh Okay. Uh, or longer tours. Yeah. So it was like, that was the same. And I guess I forgot to mention, yeah, to me, James from I Spy and Chris also used to play together too. So uh, yeah. So it's I don't, another, I don't another connection playing music with Chris.
2: <laughs> right, right, right. So, so I, I guess I can rephrase that where it's like, when you started to tour with I Spy, was it, did you immediately take to the road?
0: I had never been anywhere in my life. Uh, except for I went to Disneyland when I was a kid. Uh, so I found it completely interesting. Like we just traveled in a suburb with I spy, just in a suburban, like it was the first time I ever saw anything. So.
2: Uh, right. Yeah. It was all but, exciting.
0: <laughs> yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. yeah. You're delusional. Like when you're that young, like we played a couple shows where there's three people there and like literally did not give a shit. Like we're just playing as hard as we can, not even noticing really that there's three people, you know?
2: (laughs) Right. It's a glorified practice at that point. Yeah. It's
0: like irrelevant. Sure. Yeah. It's weird.
2: (laughs) Um, and I know because, uh, I mean, you have been, I mean, with propaganda and then obviously with I spy as well, there's, you know, clearly been a political discourse with the band and, you know, I mean, obviously animal rights is a huge centerpiece of you know, who you are as a human being. When did those ideas start to, I, I guess, come into your consciousness? Cause I mean, you know, most people can point to metal as being, you know, not the most, uh, socially conscious, you know, music style. So like, was it when you started to get, exposed to you know like punk and hardcore bands that were espousing those messages or where did it come into your life
0: Uh, i guess the first person i ever knew was my friend's aunt just happened to be a vegetarian uh so that was the first time i ever really thought about it yeah i think mdc like they had some vegetarian songs and then i guess the one that caught me the most was that song no more by youth of today so really yeah raw Uh, like when I first got that record, I thought, Oh fuck, I wasted my money. But then I listened to it every day on my way to school, just back and forth. And fuck, I started to think this is the greatest record actually. And I still, I still think like despite it being like a straight edge record, like it's literally one of the best hardcore records ever. I think like we're not in this
2: alone. That record, Yeah. It's an incredible record. I agree. Yeah. It has so much heart and so much uh,
0: fire to it. Uh, yeah, I think that song, and then yeah, I moved to Winnipeg, and there's propaganda. Those guys were vegetarians. Uh, I lived with this guy from India who was a vegetarian. Yeah, and I just told him one day, I'm as soon as Christmas is over, I'm going to be a vegetarian too. And he's like, "Oh, you're not going to last." <laughs> I was like, no, <laughs> I'm going to last. You watch."
2: Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Isn't it funny? Because I do think that happens. For many people that you know go vegetarian or vegan at a earlier age, whether it's their parents or friends or whatever, it's always that notion. It's like, yeah, yeah. Talk to me in a year or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah,
0: yeah.
2: And then almost out of spite, you're like, I'm going to do this regardless of what they say.
0: Yeah, I think it depends on like who you are. Like if you're doing it, like if all your friends are vegetarian and that's why you're doing it. But for me, I was like, just yeah. I. I'm tired of hurting animals don't want to if I can help it and avoid it I will you know
2: right yeah
0: it meant nothing to me I'd like like I went vegetarian was like 100% no problem never cared never thought about meat again and when I went vegan I never I never had any desire ever again in my life to ever want any of that shit just just gone. I don't know why
2: yeah, no, it's, I mean, the the proverbial statement, cold turkey, <laughs> even though it's, uh, you know, ironic, it definitely feels, uh, especially once people, like you said, either get into it for, you know, they may get exposed by their friends, but then they actually find out the reasoning behind why people make those decisions. That's kind of where it gets really cemented in place. And it's like, oh, yeah, I'm never going to be that again.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly.
2: Yeah. yeah. It, the what I I've, I mean I've spoken to you know Chris and uh, a little bit in regards to uh, you know John as well with his experience, but I know in the late '90s there was this push and pull with people you know getting into propaganda for. Just, I mean, you know, they liked the music, but then they were also put off by the politics where it's just like, oh, you know, I mean, and clearly you guys have made uh, no bones about those people that, (laughs) you know, uh, just want to listen to you for your music and don't want to hear your politics. Um, how, How did you, like you personally, as you guys started to, you know, play in front of audiences that might have no context for who you guys are and then you get up there and you know you say a few things on stage or whatever how did you personally kind of navigate that were you just like well i don't care what the audience thinks like (laughs) we're gonna do this because this is who we are or how did you i guess process that as it was as it was happening
0: i guess it's just you just (laughs) i think it's like less thought about than that thought out than that i think it's just like here's our band, here's what we have to say, we're playing music, and uh, you yeah, that's it. <laughs> sure. Like, like that's the way punk bands always were. You have your songs, you have what you say or don't say, and uh, like, to me, punk bands were somewhat political, like, that's just the way they were. Like, even bands like Daglo, like, they were, if you read the lyrics, they're political. Like uh, Or Doughboys, like, That's just, I thought punk bands were political bands, you know, like I, the other ones I didn't listen to, so I don't even know what they are, you know?
2: Sure. Sure. To
0: me, actually the only band that wasn't really political was the Descendants. And I did listen to them and like them, but, uh, even they had some of that, you know, they're just, uh, I don't know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were, um, I, I I see where you're coming from in regards to like these bands may not have been, you know, overtly political, but they were making their beliefs known in, you know, maybe more subtle ways than, you know, what you guys were doing
0: Yeah, exactly and and in the ni- early 90s there's like Los Crudos, Born Against Manlifting Banners, Spitboy uh, like all this shit going on and uh, like a, those were the bands super exciting to me too
2: EvilGreed.net What are they? Question mark. They are an amazing web store solution for bands of all shapes and sizes based in Berlin, Germany. But what does that mean to you who's maybe not in a band? You're able to purchase stuff directly from their site and it will ship to you lickety split. And what's cool about this company is that they are a highly curated. They work like kind of like a record label where they only work with a small handful of labels and bands that really have either a similar vibe, maybe not musically, but just like philosophically. And like, let me just throw some of these band names out there. And that way it can give you a good idea of what they got going on. They work with bands like End and Gate Creeper, Power Trip, Amon Ra, Bell Witch, Death Heaven, Nails. You can kind of see what they're they're working with. But before you do anything else, you need to use this promo code 100Words that gets you 10% off your entire order. And I know you may be thinking hey, they're based in Berlin, Germany. Isn't shipping going to be ridiculously expensive? No, that is why they are working with this very podcast, because they want more people in the US. And frankly, the way that exchange rates work right now is it is into our advantage here in the States to order from them and it will ship out to you and it will get to you in record time. Pardon the pun, because we're talking about records. They also sell records, but it will get to you very quickly. I've ordered from them and honestly, around a week, Lands on your doorstep, it's perfect. It's great. So go to evilgreed.net, use the promo code 100 words, and find some of your new favorite merch and bands and clothing items, and you will go home happy, even though you're not technically leaving. But you get the point. Evilgreed.net 100 words is the promo code.
1: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all want more time in our lives, you know, whether it's like dang, I wish I had like another hour to, you know, play video games or read more or get outside or whatever it is. I know myself that I actually get questions a lot in regards to this podcast. How do you fit it in your day? And like, how do you do the interviews and all that stuff to be able to then balance the rest of my life from my work and, you know, playing in a band and I have a family, all of these things. But that is why therapy is so awesome, because it helps you be able to sort out your life to focus on the things that, for one, really matter to you, and two, try to find more time for those things that you love. That is why I love working with BetterHelp, because if you need to find a therapist, they're there for you. So give them a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient for you, and they can be suited to your schedule and you fill out a brief questionnaire, matches you up with your own personal therapist, and if you do not like that experience, you can switch it. No problem. No questions asked. It's great. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. It's an offer just for you, the listener of this podcast. That's BetterHelp.com slash Ray
2: I know you, you actually mentioned that I know in other interviews where the whole ebullition scene uh, really captured your attention as well. And I know, I mean, being from Southern California, that really, you, you know, captured my imagination as well and seeing those bands play live was always so inspiring. Yeah. Um, how, like, was it, um, I guess, how did you get into those bands? Was it just like, you know, simply seeing their names out there and you started to get into that? Cause ebullition, like, I, I know that it, a lot of people it was very influential for, but a lot of it didn't necessarily travel too far outside of their respective areas.
0: Yeah. Um, my friend Sam Smith, who actually rode for us for a while and whatever, but he's like a kind of a promoter. Somehow he got a hold of the Evolution Order sheet. Uh, that's when we actually lived, me, him, and Chris. And he ordered the Manlifting Banner record just for no reason. Okay. And, uh, when we put it on i was like fuck is that
2: (laughs) right awesome
0: you know and uh and then like there was just like one year one brief year where it was manlifting banner born against uh uh, down cats like everything awesome came out all at once and then even like i get it turned uh like the second wave was so much less interesting, like it had already, already dissipated and died like within like a year and a half, uh, or at least my interest in it, you know, it turned more into like less politics, more people just uh, trying to go as crazy as they can, throwing a fit, laying on the stage crying at the end of the show, <laughs> like, you know, fashionable, you know, like basement shows suddenly fashionable and everyone kind of dressed like a nation of Ulysses or whatever. And uh, I have nothing against them, but everyone was copying that. And uh, I don't know. I just lost interest, you know, just like, okay, I've moved on. And sure. That was the last, (laughs) sadly, maybe the last true interest in, or when, punk stopped feeling fresh to me i would say not not the last interest but like the, the last super 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 interesting wave where i was like i fucking love this you know
2: right like a, a proverbial scene kind of washed over you and you're like i can't get enough of this
0: yeah and then but and then obviously i like kept loving no means no last nephew and sure like all all the bands like I still listen to Manlifting Banner quite often. I'm just like, this is the best fucking record ever.
2: Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. When, uh, so I I know that the uh, Propaganda, I mean, that's been a mainstay from a musical perspective for you for, you know, many, many years. And uh, when did, because a lot of bands, you know, especially as you went through the 90s, had to make these, you know, decisions of, all right, are we, you know, a, Are we going to go for it? Are we a, a mainstream punk band? Are we going to you know join the likes of you know Green Day and Rancid and stuff like that? And um, you know sometimes those decisions worked well, and other times they did not. I know you guys always deliberately you know <laughs> erred on the side of caution, and you were, you were not interested in you know participating in a lot of those uh, yeah. systems. But you know I, I'm sure that there were super random opportunities, whether it was like. You know, maybe it's signing to a record label beyond fat or whether it's, you know, like, hey, you want to use this song in a video game and like having those discussions. Um, do you have any interesting kind of anecdotes as I sort of talk through those random experiences that uh, stick out to you where you're like, oh, yeah, we had to say no to this, even though, you know, it could have paid us a lot of money or whatever.
0: I remember there's always just labels and shows and whatever. And yeah, we just uh, none of us even really looked or took it seriously. Like we just had no interest. Like, I really feel like it's our age and the era we came up. Like, people, like, nowadays, if you get into music, like, probably the first bands you got into were kind of the corporate bands like Green Day and the Offspring and all that, you know? Whereas for us, that was, like, the signal of the, the end of the good times, you know, like, just this shit, this stuff all kind of, like, tanked, like, right. in, as far as the spirit of it, you know? Uh, I think in the 80s, like, no one could really have a career or, like, it didn't seem like there was really a, a mass audience for any of it. So it was all just seemed so kind of pure, you know, the spirit of it. And people can say what they want. People think, well, yeah, bands deserve to make money. and uh, blah, blah, blah. There's, like, books about being sellouts and stuff now with people analyzing it. But to me... Like it doesn't matter what I think or whatever. I just find that that's uh, just ended for me. Like it, my spirit as like, I still feel it. like, I still feel like, like kind of all this is kind of a shit joke, right? Cause all these people, like everyone's trying to charge six bucks and fucking the eighties and nineties to save everyone money so everyone can go. And then all those people now are paying fucking $800 to see rage against the machine and the Offs, not the offspring, but like, Right, any band that went away and came back you know okay I'll pay a hundred bucks to see that you know and it's just everyone's caught in this thing and you can't get a like it's so hard to get away from Ticketmaster and Facebook and Instagram and just everything's so far diluted and gone to hell like you like the world's changed so much that I can't even figure the way I fit into it in a way that
1: I like, you
0: know what I mean? Sure.
2: No, it's, it's, I mean, it it is that sort of existential question of the, like, where is my own line? Like sometimes I, you know, I draw a line and then it can kind of move for one reason or another. And then will I move it back to there or just like it's your comfort level is always defined by, uh, you know, the extenuating circumstances around you. Yeah. And
0: it's, and it's like, it's always like, clear to us that like like we lose like we lose hundreds of thousands of dollars like not taking certain shows and that because there's sponsors you know but then you know no one no one truly no one no one no one gives a fuck and you can't avoid it on all the any social media platforms you can't avoid it even going on the uh, internet uh like we're aware no no bands care if they're shirts are made in Haiti. Nobody cares about anything. And it's like, fuck this, you know, like sometimes I literally feel that. And I don't mean I'm above it or anything. It's just like, literally, literally like I often, often I'm just like, fuck you. Fuck this.
2: <laughs> I feel like I sort of wash my hands of all of this.
0: <laughs> yeah. And like, but trying to hang in there, you know? Sure. But I think we all hang in there for the music and hopefully the people and, uh, uh yeah Yeah. spread some kind of spirit like that's what I say like you know what I mean it's a mix of happy go lucky and morose just like
1: sure I I can't
0: see anyone with a brain existing now that doesn't feel that way like no matter what they think like whether you're a conspiracy theorist or a religious person or a Winnipeg dingbat or (laughs) like I can't see anybody with a thinking brain not being partially depressed by watching the entire world go down the tube.
2: Sure. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I, and I think that's a, again, that existential crisis that I think most people use so many aspects of their life to distract from that ultimate question of just like, what what the hell is this happening? Like (laughs) I have all these bells and whistles in my life, but like, is this actually the thing? Like, what, what do I care about? And I think that's to your point, what you, ultimately the articulation of that is difficult to arrive at you're like i'm not better than it but i know i don't want to participate in that so what does that mean (laughs) where do i go yeah yeah exactly (laughs) um when you know kind of going along those same lines like you know i know that you guys have been able to you know subsist as the band and still exist and obviously make money off it but with a level that you guys are comfortable at where you can tour when you need to and tour when you want to, but not make it this like really backbreaking thing where you have to be out on the road 300 plus days out of the year or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I For you, when did it, uh, you know, when did the band become, uh, for lack of a better term, like, serious, where it was like, oh, wow, like, I can't believe that I'm technically, like, a full-time musician or whatever, or has that even, or is that even a thought process that triggers in your head?
0: Uh, the first time that happened I guess for me, the crossover was the second I joined Propagandy. Okay. Sure. He <laughs> gave me 666 bucks and I was like, holy fuck, I am rich. <laughs> I mean, literally, like, I was like, Every problem I have in the world is over. Like, I felt like I was fucking rich as fuck.
2: Right. That's amazing. I love how they gave you $666. That's like so perfect.
0: And I remember me and Chris talking, he was like, they were going to give me 1000 And somehow, as we discussed it, we got down to $666. And I thought, oh, this is so
2: awesome. <laughs> You're like, they get me. They really get me. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's a weird discussion, I guess. <laughs>
2: It'd be right.
1: Funnier, it'd be
2: funnier if it's 666. <laughs> so that so that was the ultimate jumping-off point, and then like everything that you have, you know, uh, experienced since then from like getting a uh, quarter quarterly royalty check or whatever has been like, wow, this is ridiculous. I can't believe I'm getting this.
0: Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like, it's not like much, you know. Like we're still like, uh,
2: yeah, you're a working-class you know, band. Yeah,
0: we, like the people working on the house next to my house here are making fucking. 10, 20, no, probably not that much, but like three or three times as much as I am per year or whatever. So that's like, right. What I always think too, but then they're actually having to work on that house and I'm not, so whatever. It's, right. It's a trade-off. Like we work hard. Like we practice every, every day, play guitar every day. When I'm not playing guitar, I draw, you know, like, but like just the arts uh, is not awarded in this world. It's either awarded, like you're a mega millionaire
2: or you're
0: not, you know?
2: Yeah. It, there definitely is a, a, a heart in between that exists where it's like, I, you know, could be working at a local coffee shop and obviously making more money than I'm, I'm doing currently. And no shots against people that make coffee and coffee shops. Cause that's an important part of our lives. But yeah, just that idea of like, okay, I'm, you know, barely making minimum wage, all things considered.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. And you just have to decide for yourself, like, uh, like I've never been a really money-driven person, so it's just whatever, you
2: know. Yeah, <laughs> right.
0: Like I just, like I just do. I don't know. I try not to think about it.
2: Sure, sure. I I get that. And. Like you said, if you're not uh, you know, playing guitar, touring and stuff like that, visual art has always been a part of your life, like you said, ever since you were very young. Yeah. When did you feel like you could call yourself an artist? And I know that's kind of a, a, a big slash maybe silly question, but just like when did you feel like you could uh, you know, display yourself out there like that?
0: Uh, I guess just whenever Instagram showed up, I was just like, oh, I guess I'll start throwing some shit on there. Other than that, I just... Yeah, never, I just drink for myself. I still do. Like um, most things I draw, I don't put on Instagram, just every now and then throw something on there. So uh, that's the first time. Like I've never put art anywhere or anything. Just Yeah.
2: Got it. Yeah. No, that's cool. Because I I didn't, I, uh, that was my interaction with you in regards to that, where I was like, oh, that's cool. I did not really have an inclination that that was something that you were doing and wanted to actively share. It's cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I guess record covers, right?
2: so yeah. yeah that's true that's true uh something that i always uh it kind of sticks in my craw when any time people interview you or chris in the band where uh you know p- people ask or it's like oh things are worse than they ever have been like you know do you feel like you've even made a difference <laughs> it's just it's that sort of like you know yeah. button pressing question that people like to pose um and obviously the idea of like well i can't prove that something didn't work like <laughs> Like there's probably people who have been influenced by us that I I'm never going to meet or know. Um, is that, I guess there's maybe no real question contained in this besides the fact, like, is that uh, you know, do you find that question happening more or less? Or is it people that still just are like, Oh yeah, well you guys sung about all these political things now that none of the, none of it worked. Do you even, should you even exist anymore? Is that annoying?
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's not a unreasonable question. I'd sure. Say, I'd say, uh, I'd say probably at least in terms of like, uh, like veganism and stuff, at least may probably somebody somewhere went vegan because of the band or something. But I would sure. also say like, like, you know, as far as what we did, but if we're doing it or we have something to say, like if it doesn't speak to people, it doesn't, you know, and I guess it never compelled really anybody to try to even not have sweatshirt you know like we always thought maybe if we do it like other bands like kind of the bigger bands will follow suit you know but no they don't nobody cares (laughs) you know what I mean right so I don't know maybe what we we just don't say it in a compelling enough way maybe people don't care uh maybe you know what I mean we're just as far as we're concerned, we just have our songs, play them, say what we want to say. Uh, I have no reason to expect someone to listen to me over, uh, like there's superstars in the world. You know, there's Michael Jackson. like There's, uh, you know what I mean? Shania Twain. People who can out sing us by 10 million miles. Queens are ideal. Uh, you know?
2: Sure. We have, we have our songs.
0: We know we're not superstars. We know we're not... Anything like you know what I mean? Sure, just fucking guys. Like, if you want to play guitar 10 times as good as us, listen to Dream Theater. If you want to uh, have twice as good of politics, read a book. <laughs> I don't know, you know? <laughs> right.
2: <Like how> <laughs> yeah, you're like, you know, if you want a subpar version of all of those things together, just go ahead and listen to our band, and we're a perfect, perfect match for you. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's all you can do, you know? You're just like we're just prairie guys. <laughs> like, what can I say? You know.
2: Yeah. Well, and and I think too, it's like that that notion of you guys being able to carve your own path. And be able to exist where people have paid attention to you and still continue to pay attention to you, whether or not they, you know, even frankly care about your new records. If it's just like, oh yeah, like, you know, Victory Lap is the record for me and like everything else prior to that sucks or whatever. <laughs> like just yeah. at least you have, you know, the 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 longevity and the stick to itiveness that you guys have had where it's like, all right, like whether you like us or not, you need to form an opinion of us. <laughs> yeah. Like that's that's sure. important that's an important fact. Like
0: well, not really, because like most of the world has no idea who we are. That's uh, that's true. i walk on the street in Winnipeg. I could see ten thousand people every day who don't recognize me in any single form in my in my own small city. So <laughs> if I was to go to London, you know what I mean? It's like people can ignore, they can avoid, they can. <laughs> it's
1: know?
0: true. It's true. Like, I, I, the one thing that we have. And every artist has is that no one can be you. So like the only person who can make my songs is me. So like no people who write books can't do it. Dream Theater can't do it. No Means No can't do it. SNFU can't do it. Like they can't make my songs. They can't make Chris's songs. A band can try to copy Chris. I've heard 10 million people try to copy Chris and they can't. It doesn't sound like him. It doesn't sound like propaganda. He doesn't sound like his voice. The lyrics don't work. So that's that's what you have. All you have is yourself. Uh, that you know, people are either into it or they're not. If they hear it, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I totally understand. I mean, the yeah, that idea that it's like you're <laughs> this stew and combination of all of you individuals coming together to form this band. Like, you know, there's this litany of things that makes you guys unique, and it's like, yeah, that's <laughs> that is that's what's going to come out, regardless of whatever we try to do. This is what's going to be presented as the, 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 the structure that we have built.
0: Yeah. And I would say, like, you know, unless you stood in front of Sacrifice in Razor in the 80s, you can't do it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, this is a unique experience. <laughs> <Don't worry>.
0: <laughs> the- <laughs> I start getting ridiculous there. So.
2: No, no, for sure. Well, the last thing I'll I'll ask you, just because I I am curious. The uh, and I know you've articulated it properly in other places, but the uh, the rod is your nickname. Uh, I'm oh, sure yeah, there's yeah. I'm sure there's a absolutely stupid reason for that, but I I, I I am very curious myself.
0: Yeah. Well, when I was a kid, I my brother started calling me the rod, and he write my name with this like long like uh, piece of iron iron rod under it. You know. <laughs> okay that's it that's just kind of just kept going and going and then when i went to winnipeg this guy simon hughes uh i don't know somehow he he saw something from my brother that said the rod on it and then he started calling me the rod and then everyone did
2: (laughs) that everyone did so was it usually in reference like was it todd the rod or did people just be like the rod
0: uh yeah, just the rod. Like Simon would call me, like keep going. What are you doing? The rod, <laughs> like that. <laughs> that's
2: <laughs> that's beautiful.
0: And then a lot of people just say like, like if they're talking about me, they'll say the rod. But if they're talking to me, they say Rod. You know, like Jordan, Chris, they just say Rod.
2: Right. <laughs> 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 that's perfect. So like, no one. In very rare instances do people actually call you Todd. Uh
0: well nah, so a lot of people still do. You know.
2: Sure. Yeah. It's your, you know, God given so like, birth, you know? like A lot of
0: people I know have nothing to do with music. You know?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it'd be weird if they called you Rod, you'd be like, no, that's, that's that, that not in yeah, this side they, of my life. Yeah. They don't
0: even know. You know what I mean?
2: Yes, yes, yes. Thank you again to Todd from one of my all time favorite bands ever. Todd Kowalski from Propagandi. He's great. And thank you very much for spending time with me one beautiful afternoon over the computer. Next week, I have another another great chat. We're sorry, episode 536. Man, every time I read those numbers, I'm like, I can't believe I've been doing this for you know the better part of... It's, it's almost as old as my child, this podcast. But anyways, I have Jacob Duarte, who plays an amazing band called Narrowhead. He also has played in a bunch of other cool Texas-based hardcore bands like Scourge. And uh, there's, I'm missing a few others, but you get the point. But the reason he came on the podcast is because Narrowhead is releasing a new record soon. And to be honest, I kind of I, I dragged my feet on Narrowhead. I was like, ah, they're cool, like when I, I first started to hear their name out there. And then uh, now this new LP has made me a full convert of them. Really big fan, so I had to have Jacob on the show. But that is what we got next week, where we get to talk a lot about Texas Hardcore and you know other fun subjects like that. So until then, please be safe, everybody.